0: Welcome to Reasoned, the podcast. I'm your host, Sabrina Meditz. Professional development happens through hits and misses, trials and error, and lots of hard work. Join me as we discuss ways for you to grow skills, drive performance, and even build a professional brand. Today, it is my pleasure to have a conversation with Nikita Lawrence. Nikita is a sought-after women's coaching and development expert, best-selling author, coach, and inspirational keynote speaker. Nikita is the founder and CEO of Wealth Success Chamber Enterprises, LLC, a women's coaching and development agency. As an HR consultant, she is a thought leader and a mentor to many. Her best-selling book entitled The Secret of the Wealth Success Chamber, Aids readers in unlocking their own gateway by systematically creating the blueprint to uncover identity, purpose, and vision for their lives. It is my pleasure to introduce you to Nikita Lawrence. Welcome Nikita.
1: Thank you, Sabrina. I'm so excited to be here on your show. I love the work that you're doing. You know, I've shared with you behind the scenes. You are so amazing and you are a professional in in so many different ways. And so it truly was an honor to be invited here. And so I'm thrilled to have this conversation with you today.
0: Similarly, I'm so excited to have the conversation with you too. You know, when we were talking the other day, I was really struck by your story about how you got to where you are now and you're basically your overall career trajectory. Um, you know, I, I loved the message of finding harmony, finding a sense of peace as you made job transitions. Would you Would you share a bit of that with our listeners?
1: Oh my gosh, I would love to. <laughs> so I, I started my, so in college I studied business management, right? And so I didn't really know what I wanted to do business-wise. I just knew fundamentally, I needed to understand business and principles of business with whatever I was going to do. And, and so I took on an internship with Target. And it was like this 10 week internship with Target. And it was all about um, becoming an assistant manager and retail and I thought I was going to love it. Well, listen, I did not love it. <laughs> and I was not invited back at the end of the program like they invite you. They, I wasn't invited back and I didn't want to go back. And I, I walked away from this internship going, retail is not for me. Well, the reason that is funny is because I started my career actually in retail management working for Walmart. And and that was accidentally, I was going to pursue my my MBA, right? I went to college in Huntsville, went to an HBCU, Alabama A&M. And I, I'm a woman of faith. So I'm always prayerful about what's next, what's the next move. That's how I find peace and harmony in those decisions. And so I'm prayerful. And I really believe God led me to stay in Huntsville at least a year after I graduated, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I'm from Chicago. I was homesick. I'm like, I need to get up out of here, <laughs> but, and being guided right by what I believe is the voice of God for me. I, you know, was led to stay there. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? Well, I guess I could just go to grad school and I can work as a cashier for Walmart, you know, in the meantime. And so I go and I apply for this Walmart, And it's this one that's a little further down, you know, from my campus. And I was like, I'll just be a cashier there. And in the interview, the manager who was interviewing me, she goes, oh my gosh, after each question, I kind of got the bump up. So I was getting the bump up from cashier to like service desk to then like um, like training coordinator, then like market assistant, right? Where I'm the, di- the district, as- uh, district manager's admin. And then by like the, the last question she goes, oh my gosh, Nikita, we want you to be an assistant manager. And I remember thinking like your assistant managers look stressed out. They look like they are like not like they're overworked, underpaid, like going through a lot. That is not mm. what I feel like I want to do with my life. And I just had this internship with Target, right? Which <laughs> I completed, but it, it it wasn't great. And but I'm again guided by my faith. So I pray about it and I I believe I'm led to enter into this career with Walmart, and I remember thinking, wow, this is not what I planned, but because it's a part of the plan, <laughs> then I will, I'll move forward, and so I did that for about two and a half years, and I went into human resources, which I love, and I've been in HR since then, so have been in HR since 2013, and was able to move up really quickly into HR management, HR executive roles, and what I found was that, um, Along that journey of me really being able to express my gifts and really just open up all of who I was, helping leaders be better and helping, you know, um, employees with their issues. It's just who I am as a person. So it was such a natural fit. But I got a lot of experience supporting leaders at the highest level, directors and operators who are running 80 million plus you know, operations, there's a lot of stress that comes with that. And so I had a, a unique opportunity to, you know, really be influential. And along that path, along that journey, I kind of got that nudge again. I believe I heard God say, listen, you know, it's time for you to start writing your your first book. It's, start, it's time for you to begin to take the gifts, the purpose that you have. It's bigger than Walmart. It's bigger than the role you're playing. And I remember thinking like, wow, my, my highest aspiration was maybe to be an HR executive. That's that was like the the pinnacle for me at at a point and so my goal was just to work as hard as I could to to do that and as I continued to ascend I was just like getting stressed out I was getting burnt out and I just believed that the meaning that my life had was deeper than the work I was doing just in my in my full-time career and so I um you know, made a decision. I was again, prayerful, wrote my first book while I was still working for Walmart, started my first company while still working for Walmart while being in grad school. Like while being a wife and mom, like, I, I don't know why I thought busy. I was a superwoman. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, but I, um, you know, that's what I did. And so I've continued to grow my coaching and consulting company now. And now leaning into more, you know, executive coaching and and life coaching and inclusive leadership training and just pulling all the pieces together of what I've learned, what I've acquired, but always having a sense of of purpose and a vision and of my faith that has guided me to have that peace during all those transitions.
0: What I really love about the story is, especially as you transition from role to role and sort of looking for that peace, looking for that connection and that fit, there's also this modification of your vision, right, like you you still aspired into um, reaching a certain level um, but you were, you were willing to modify that, that vision toward the path that you're guided toward, um, recognizing that the vision still needs to change, but not losing sight of the success that you want to bring into your life. And I think that that's a very, very powerful statement. So I'm, I'm curious if you have advice for our listeners on establishing a vision and sort of um, trying to create
1: that path for them to follow? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think that for a couple of things have had to happen on my journey, right, that I'll share and then I'll give you kind of the framework that I use and that I share with clients. And so for me, I remember... um, In 2013, when I got into my very first HR role, I was mentored by a phenomenal leader, Cornelius Boone. He was amazing, really mentored me. And one of the things he asked me on the first day was, you know, where do you want to be in five years? And I remember thinking, I'm like, you know, I wasn't really sure, but I knew that I was great. I knew I was ambitious. I knew that I could accomplish what I set out to do, thinking I was blessed with great parents who instilled that in me. And and so I said to him, you know, I'm not sure, but probably, you know, in five years or five to seven years, I could probably be in your job, right, is what I say to him. So here I am, his admin, and he's saying, where do I see myself? I'm like, I think I see myself doing what you're doing, even if I'm not all the way sure, right, what those steps will be to get there. And so he, I remember him asking me about this particular HR uh, multi-unit role, and I was like, No. I'll never do that. I was like, they just seem really stressed out, blah, blah, blah. I just want to get into training and developing. And the 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 piece of vision for me that I've always held on to since maybe the age of like 18 is that I believe my purpose, my gifts are to help align others, particularly women, to their purpose and with their gifts to accomplish what they were created to do, right? And so I believe God revealed this to me by way of a dream, I had really dedicated my life to the Lord. And I was like praying about what is my purpose? What is my purpose from the age of like 18 on really 17 on forward. And so at 18, it's revealed to me that that's really a big part of my purpose to help others get an awareness and really become active in their gifts and their calling and their purpose and their vision. And so from the, from 18 on, I knew that helping, working with people, helping them to get aligned with their purpose, their vision would be a large part of my story. At that point, I didn't see that as well. Human resources is a great opportunity to work with people and help them, right, in the career space, in the life. I didn't, I didn't know, I didn't, I did not even have language for that, you know, at that age. I just knew this was my purpose. And I understood that because God had given me a vision for my life. And so what I teach is that, you know, purpose is, you know, the reason why you were born, right? The reason why you're here. Purpose answers that question. Your vision is what will I accomplish, right? So your vision is the idea, the inclination that you get, the assignment that carries you to the place of purpose. But the foundation of that is knowing who you are, your identity, and not even just who you are, but who you are becoming. So for me, by the age of 18, having a clear, a clear view of at least what my purpose was and the vision that would be that I would help others right in this way I always held on to that and the Mm -hmm. vision specifically for me was connected to media so I was connected to like um, television at that time and having conversations interviewing amazing professionals who did incredible things who kind of stepped out on faith and saw something come to fruition, right? And I was like, wow, that's it. So that was the vision that I held on to, which I thought would mean I would go to broadcast journalism school or go to film production school. And so now you see why Walmart just seems so out of the picture (laughs) as as I'm thinking about purpose and vision and helping others, right? And, and, but it looked a little different, but yet even coming full circle now, right? It's all connected. It's all interwoven together and so as for for any listener right who's struggling to understand purpose or, or even have a clear vision for their lives many times it comes in the form of an idea that you know just kind of has continued to resonate with you down through the years, that that thought about, you know, hmm someone should do something about this, or someone should create this, and that someone is not someone, the someone is you, right? That someone is the person who's coming up with that idea. And so being able to one, not just say, what is my purpose? What is my purpose? But to ask the question of what, what is the vision for my life? What are the ideas that I've not taken action on. And as you get clear about what those ideas are, what the vision is to make a difference in the lives of others, right, then you'll find that you're fulfilling your purpose because that evolves as we continue to move forward. It evolves over time. But even through different career transitions, what may not look like an opportunity to develop your skill set or to develop or cultivate your gifts, it absolutely is that, that diamond in the rough, right? It's that, that hidden behind the veil opportunity that you need to develop the character, right? The wisdom, the experience to carry out whatever that larger vision is that unfolds as we move forward.
0: I think that's a tremendous message. You know, in, in, in looking at it, you know, at recognizing that your vision may not have the end point you think it does and being very mobile As you look through the uh, opportunities that come available to you. But what I also heard with your story is that there's also a bit of boldness and I and I don't mean ego right when you were confronted with the question of what do you want to do in five years and and to then say, well, I want your job is boldness, but not necessarily arrogance, right? What steps do I mm-hmm. then need to take in order to get there and develop myself? And that may be atypical from other people, very atypical from where you thought you would be in terms of television or, or entertainment, right? But, but still, I think there is a bit of, of boldness where you sometimes need to challenge yourself into something that might feel a little scary um, to, to move forward and sort of claim it. Um, in that way. In fact, um, you know, I, I think uh, personal brand has a whole lot to do with your preparedness for career. And I know you've recently been engaging with sort of a challenge to be present on platforms like LinkedIn to really engage and really get some visual media out there and express your story and and be vulnerable in that way. Of I'm here to have this discussion. Um, How does boldness play? Um, Which I think you might think it's a it's a big one, just given how much I know about you at this point. (laughs) Oh
1: my gosh, Sabs, that I mean, it's everything, right? So you know, call it boldness, call it fearlessness, call it courage, call it bravery. It is required in order for us to live a full life, right? Like I I really believe everything that we want that we truly desire in the innermost places of our our hearts, it's on the other side of fear. And the interesting thing about fear or being able to move beyond your comfort zone is that it is, fear is not, it feels so real, right? It, It feels so real, but it's not. And it's only as real as we allow it to be, right? And sometimes there are so many leaders that are like, oh man, if I only had more courage, if I could only be less afraid, it's like, hey, you don't need to be less afraid. You just got to get those feet moving, right? <laughs> get those yeah. get those fingers going and be willing to move in spite of the fear so that it doesn't control or alter your life in a way that allows you to live a really limited and mundane experience of life. I I remember at a young age, understanding that I would have to confront fear, right, mm-hmm. and, and for me, I was always a shy, so believe it or not, Sabs, I was a very shy girl, so I, I, if, if I knew you, you could get, you couldn't get me to stop talking, but I, for people that I didn't know, I was very quiet, I remember mm-hmm. being, I was, I must have been like 12 years old, in like a small circle of maybe seven or eight men and women, mm-hmm. mainly, predominantly men, at a, In our church hallway and I was afraid to even say hello. Like I remember like not even wanting to be there. Like could I not be there? I remember singing in in the choir, you know, at a young age, not being able to like clap my hands, rock and sing the note all at the same time and just being like, why am I even up here? I don't want people looking at me like what's going on. Um, Please don't give me the mic. I don't want to do the special solo thing. Like I'm good, right? Like, you know, (laughs) and because they, they would have really quick story they would have these songs where like even though it's a children's choir the mic goes to sing a certain part and now you and it was always random right so you never knew who was going to get it I used to be like Lord please don't let it be me like let me just fade back a little bit because I am I'm terrified right I am terrified and so at a young age I, I began to you know understand I would need to move beyond my comfort zone to experience the things that I wanted. So I never allowed fear to be a gauge of whether or not I should do something. I just understood that, okay, if I'm going to engage what I want, and it's on the other side of my comfort zone, then I have to one, you know, acknowledge the fear, but say, listen, I may see you, I may feel you, I may be sweating, I may be shaking in my boots, I may stumble over my words, I may do the the wrong thing, but I'm not controlled by you fear, which means that I'm going to move forward no matter how I'm feeling to reach the result and to accomplish the goal. And so with me knowing that piece of it, I think for anyone who's, at a pivotal point in our lives, because we all reach these pivotal points, right, where it's like we're at a crossroads, we have a decision to make. And it's, do we go with what seems comfortable, what seems familiar, or do we go with the thing that's a whole lot more scary, it's a whole lot more uncomfortable, but that we feel drawn to in some way, shape, or form. And being able to stand in your truth of saying, you know what, I may be afraid, but that's not going to stop me. I may not know what's on the other side of this decision, but I'm going to continue to move forward to see what happened. I never wanted to live my life with regrets of wondering what would have happened had I only been more courageous. And I think when it comes to boldness and living, and even in your career, having a vision for your career, you've got to be willing to not live with regrets. What, what Mm -hmm. happens, what would happen if I would have gone after that opportunity? What would have happened if I would have negotiated my salary? What would have happened if I would have taken the relocation package across the country? What would have, we don't want to live because the place of regret, that's a dark place (laughs) and that can take you down a dark tunnel. But the way to not live with regret is to be willing to engage boldness, being willing to engage in courage, not because you don't have the fear, but because you're going to move forward anyway to see what's on the other side, to experience it, knowing that whatever happens, you're strong enough to handle it and to get through it.
0: That's tremendous. Nikita, there are moments in my life, um, and I think more and more when I have these kinds of conversations, she comes to me again and again, but my grandmother, Messy, uh, was a woman who was filled with a ton of sage advice. And as you were talking about the microphone randomly working its way through the chorus and you'd never know who it was going to hit and you're saying, Lord, don't let it be me. Um, I was struck with advice from my grandmother and she used to say to me, don't complain about what you prayed away. Mm. Right? And I really, really mm. love this when we start thinking about opportunity right? It, it, you need to be ready. You need to be okay with moving to the other side of fear. I love that quote from you, right? And I truly believe that procrastination is a very mild form of fear. I'll wait to work on my, my resume. I'll wait to work on my cover letter, on my portfolio, on that opportunity, right? Like that, that procrastination means that when you do stumble into an opportunity that feels perfect, finally it's here, you're too late. It's already beyond you because you've not prepared yourself, right? And so like, what are some of those thoughts on being prepared that we should share with the listeners?
1: Oh, that's so good, right? It's like you, um, you have to be prepared. I mean, I love this example that that you just gave. I mean, and I I would love to unpack that for just a moment, because it's when you procrastinate, right? And you say, Oh, I'll do it later. There's something there's a belief somewhere in there. If we begin to unpack that, that Says that this is not going to work out, or this may not work out, and I don't want to confront being disappointed, right? So then we'll, so we, but we won't. Con- we don't normally acknowledge it or see it as that. We're like, oh no, I'm just too busy. Oh no, it's just that it's not the right time, Sabs. I just, I'll get to it later. Other things are more mm-hmm. important. And then when the opportunity comes and we're not prepared, then what happens? Well, I knew it wasn't my time, right? I just knew mm-hmm. it wasn't. You know, it wasn't for me, Sabs. What's mm-hmm. for you is for you. But it's like, hold on, that. Probably probably was for you. However, you weren't prepared. And so engaging in quick action, even if it's imperfect, right? So so a quote, and I don't, I'm not the owner of this quote, but whoever came up with it is brilliant. And it's just that, you know, imperfect action right imperfect action is so much better than perfect procrastination mm. where it's like yeah you perfectly procrastinate but guess what it's still not done and then it becomes a self fulfilling prophecy that you didn't believe you were really good enough anyway and so then now it's what happens and so being in a position where you then engage preparation by saying by understanding you're enough like even if you don't and check every box on the qualification list. Listen, the, the jobs that I've gotten into are not because I've met every qualification on the qualification list. And had I allowed the... What I didn't have to stop me from going after it, I wouldn't even, we wouldn't even be on the phone right now, we, or we wouldn't be on Zoom during our podcast, because I would not have had the experiences that I've been blessed to have. I didn't get them just because I was qualified. I got them because it was in alignment, and I was prepared. I was assertive. I went after it. I didn't say, oh, I don't have this one, this one uh, criteria that's required in this position. I said, what I have is enough. And who I am is enough and what I don't have, I'm willing to learn and I learn quickly. So I'll make it up and being in a position like how we see ourselves, it comes back to our identity, right? And if we know that we're enough and that we add value to whatever team we're a part of, no, whatever company we're a part of, we make them better because we showed up, because we're there. When we know that, it gives us the opportunity to show up differently and to be prepared to say, you know what? This resume. Resume may not be perfect, but let me start researching some people, resources that can help me with my resume, with my cover letter, so that when the time comes, I'm not waiting. I'm not missing another opportunity because I wasn't courageous enough. Mm -hmm. to be prepared, right? Because it takes courage to shift things in our lives. We have to make adjustments. It's not just smooth sailing where we just snap our fingers and all of a sudden it's just here. No, we have to make adjustments and sacrifices, but they're necessary for us to get where we desire to be, not just where others want us to be, where we desire to be, but it's on the other side of that procrastination and that expectation and belief of who we really are.
0: Yeah, that conversation about the stories we tell ourselves to make opportunities that have passed us by okay, is a really deeply, deeply powerful message. We, we are in the business of self soothing. We are not in the business of accepting risk, right? Like our brain really is adverse to risk, adverse to adversity, right? And I think part of this career discussion is it's your own personal hustle, right? You, you need to make sure your marketing materials are ready. You need to make sure your heart is ready for, for, for what essentially is this, 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 this hustle. I, one of the greatest pieces of advice I had a mentor tell me uh, was let the company tell you no. And when they do, yes. be energized by it right? Um, So when you have the stuff and you're checking the list of of requirements and you're a couple short, let them tell you no. Now, I'm not saying to be so foolish to put it in there if it's asking for a doctorate as a requirement and you're sitting with an associate's. There's probably a bit of a mismatch there, but it's only one. But let's say you've got 10 more that are missing. You're probably a little short for that role, right? You might want to aim it for a different position. However, if you're one or two short, the credentials are saying masters and you've got a bachelor's, but you've got 12 years worth of experience. Let that company tell you no, but be empowered by the no. Don't be discouraged by the no. It means that that Mm company is not ready for what you were bringing, right? And so um, really sort of pushing that hustle and moving, moving that forward, I think is just a tremendous bit of advice, but I think it points back to value sets Right? What company do you want to be a part of that is also echoing who you are as as a person? Right. So sometimes you just got to walk away from opportunities because it doesn't it doesn't match. When you and I were talking just um, a, a week or so ago, you know, I, I shared with you I had this vision about the kind of company that I wanted to work for, and I interviewed with this this employer, and despite me getting a six figure job. Um, offer. The the company's values mismatched on the other side of the interview. I didn't feel like I would be a supported member within that organization. I felt like it was a dog-eat-dog kind of um, environment that didn't feel healthy to me. So I turned down a six-figure salary. My family thought I was completely nuts. But when I think about how much effect work has on you your psyche, your belief system, your value choices, your family, your friends, the time you have to commit to, you know, uh, personal care and and family and just getting together and your total wellness as a person. Um, I think those are some of the things we have to keep in mind. Even though the opportunity is knocking, you're the one that has to decide, is that the opportunity that's worth taking, even when you're ready?
1: Um, Oh, that's so good, Sabs. And I'm so glad you shared that story because sometimes we can ignore that gut feeling, right? We ignore that intuition and we go into an opportunity that is the wrong opportunity. Even if on paper, it seems like it would be presented as the right thing. We know, right? And there's an inner knowing that we have and, and it's important to be bold enough, right? To be brave enough to say, you know what? There is a disconnect here. And I'm willing. To forego this because I'm I'm confident I'm certain that there is something that is available that is fully aligned with my values and that will meet what I'm looking for because I'm a person that gives value and I'm a person that makes right teams better. So going back to that identity piece, I believe you were able to walk away because you knew that you were worth more than having to suffer in an opportunity that was mismatched from the beginning. Why be stressed out? Going, you know, why why go through that? You don't have to. And so I think that's so powerful for our listeners today to know that, listen, just because it on paper seems like the right opportunity, it may not be. And if in your gut you feel misaligned, maybe there was a tone of voice, maybe there was the values you were hearing, maybe the culture, maybe there is, you know, a lack of of diversity and there's not a commitment to things being different and you, you will not be valued, right? Maybe there is not a seat for you. It's okay to walk away. And I think that's more courageous, right? Being willing to walk Away from something that's presented than even not just going after it at all.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's scary, and I do think that there's there's a bit of privilege in being able to to do that, right? I I don't know. Um, given everyone's circumstances, there may just be, sometimes you have to grit through things that do feel really uncomfortable. And so I do recognize the fact that I was in a very privileged position to be able to say no to, to, to that, that, that particular position. But I do think it is still, at it, it, any level of privilege that one has, as you think about who you are holistically as a person, what does make the most sense? Um, what I did know is by saying no, I had to hustle that much more. I had to continue to dig and to um, search and to find that next opportunity. I think there was a, a bit of, um, I left a bit out of the story I was actually laid off at the time. So I'm still under a severance package. So my family thought that my privilege is very small and I should go back and apologize and take that job. immediately And take it
1: anyway. Yeah. Right.
0: <laughs> so like I was, I was under the gun. I was under this very sort of scary position of what am I going to do when the severance, the severance runs out. And so, um, I, I do recognize that there are sometimes you do a job that you're not exactly feeling is your direction. I think you you express that very cleanly with Walmart as well, right You didn't think retail was the direction, but it ended up opening this opportunity that allowed you to to do more and to seek more and to then influence people um, and that's where I'd love to take this conversation right So once you've been afforded the opportunity, you've gone through the hustle you've been lucky enough to be provided with an opportunity that matched your value set and moving forward, um, what advice do you have for leaders in helping their employees think about career
1: development? I think career development is so, it's so, so important. And what I've learned is that career development doesn't always mean the next step up right? So it doesn't always mean that even writing your example, right? It's like, man, I'm walking away from six figures. Maybe the next step was not six figures, but it was a super better quality of life. And that gave you the opportunity to still have what you needed taken care of. But your energy, your focus, your, your overall quality of life is better. And so where it pertains to career development, I think it's important to look at one, the vision, right? And the values of what matters to this particular individual. Do they desire to just be here near family and to go as far as they can go in their career? staying here locally do they desire to actually be in this one are they in the perfect role where even though they could do a lot more they are just going to be our subject matter expert who is the best of the best who's been doing this thing this role 22 years and if that is their decision, how can I support them to still elevate in their leadership, even if they don't want to grow within the organization, right? How do I continue to engage them? I think it's also even asking, okay, succession planning wise, you know, three to four levels down, what are our plans five years from now, right? If we are not all in these positions, who are we developing to cover vacations, to be the next in-line leaders that don't look like all of us, right? Because primarily when you get into, especially corporations at the top, it's what, primarily white male dominated. Mm-hmm. And so then that means that Often, the those who are being mentored and developed for these next in line roles are, are what? They're primarily white male dominated. And so we have more women coming up. and um, But for even women of color, those numbers are much, much fewer. And so I think it's really looking strategically at the overall the health of the organization, the those who we identified as high potential or high performing, what are their demographics? What's the makeup, right? Are we only identifying certain people as high potential or high performing? Or are we looking at the organization as a whole and then really being deliberate around mentorship relationships that are not just based on who I have the most in common with, who I went to the same school or have the same network in, but those who are completely Completely different for me that have a desire to grow in some way, right? Because everybody wants something, everyone wants to grow in some way, shape or form. And but sometimes we're not taking the time to get to know our people well enough to know what it is that they want, right? Maybe it's not a promotion, but maybe it's emotional intelligence. Maybe it's how do I say no to, you know, my sister who's getting on my nerves, but it's stressing me out at work because, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. We I think the more we care about people and care about what they want and can align our practices, mentorship, development, you know, programs, whatever you want to call it to what they want, then they'll be developed in their career because they'll be developed as a human, as a human being, as a person first.
0: Absolutely. I, I think that that's a tremendous bit of advice from What is the, what is the demographic? What is the makeup? Who are you looking at at the ready now, ready soon, ready later levels of succession planning? And, and in, in addition to that, the advice to the individual contributor that people leadership isn't always the next step. There are principal level positions that sit at director level that are high performing individual contributors. Now your company may not have that. They may not have that structure built in from a from a, a, a HR perspective, but there are companies that do, most especially within the technology organizations, you know, a high performing um, individual contributor would be a principal engineer as an example. And so recognizing that it's not necessarily next step up or having to move into people leadership to actually um, move forward with your career and progress with your career, I think is, is tremendous advice. Um, and, and, And then to the leadership and to the organizations, the diversity of the makeup of the people that you're looking at is important. You know, we talk often about um, the place to start to change diversity is really before they're entering into the workforce, right? And so we we do a lot of work with things with uh, organizations like Girls Who Code to get them in and show them what, what does that mean as it relates to being inside of a technology organization. Um, I do a lot of mentoring in, in uh, spaces like with the Boys and Girls Club, et cetera, to sort of talk about um, lifting your profile up, seeing that you have value, you belong in all of these spaces. And as leadership, we need to open the door so that they
1: feel like they belong. Um, So tremendous message. Thank you for that. Absolutely. And I think that belonging is so key, right? Because I do see sometimes organizations that will um, work just what you described, right? Girls who code or boys and girls clubs or urban leagues or others for like X, this external, like recruiting strategy or partnership, but for the, the talent that's within the organization, it's like, what are we doing to create a sense of belonging for them? Those who exist today. And I think that sometimes with what I've seen with organizations is a miss in being able to engage the diverse talent that exists, whether it's, you know, racial diverse that's a big one right we still are not there um you know gender we're a little bit better we're still not all the way there you know and then we get into other sexual orientation right religion Absolutely. there there's so many intersections and i think that for organizations to really see a shift with like inclusive leadership which is i you know i do inclusive leadership training it's like we got to look at the mindsets of the leaders at the table making the decisions and creating this work environment and culture that's allowed this to be acceptable. We have to start there. And if we don't start there and making shifts within the environment, within the the existing workforce, right, then we will not move the needle. So then even when we recruit those who believe that they belong and they're brilliant, they won't stay because they won't be welcome. Even if we've opened up, quote, the doors, we've not created an environment for them to thrive.
0: Oh, such a tremendously powerful message, right? Like everyone needs community to feel whole. Um, and if there isn't a community to welcome them on the other side of the door, what, what's the point? So I think that's a very, very well delivered message and, a, and a, a, tremendous one, a tremendous one at that. I know in my experience, when I have a truly diverse team and we're working on projects, That project always, without question, ends up being the most well-thought, most well-run, highest quality product on the other side of it, where in many cases, I think in some of the groupthink situation where everyone's so very Mm -hmm. similar, we end up with a straw man that is very very narrow-minded in -hmm. its direction. It's not solving as many problems or delighting customers in the same way. So... um, it's it it is certainly something to consider, which is why I encourage everyone to be ready, right? Like get yourself together and and I'm going to quote you again, but move to the other side of fear, and know that you belong in this space. Be ready for that opportunity when it hits. Mm-hmm. Mm. Awesome, thank you, Nikita, for having this conversation with me. I truly have enjoyed it. I um, I find your energy completely electric. Um, continue sharing on on LinkedIn. I really enjoy getting those daily updates. So, um, on that note, I would love to share. Where can uh, my listeners reach out to you and uh, continue to consume the content that you're creating?
1: <laughs> oh, so LinkedIn is a good place. I've, I've been doing my challenges, so I'm, <laughs> I'm fired up about that. I've, I've, before I share that, I'm so in, I've so enjoyed this conversation, um, Sabrina. Truly, it has been so well thought out and. I've enjoyed just engaging and having an opportunity to share right and to be a value to your listeners and to your audience. So I want to thank you, number one for that. Um, And any listeners that want to connect with me, I am on LinkedIn just at Nikita Lawrence, you can type that in or my little backslash is Nikita the mentor. You can also visit my website um, at nikitalawrence.com to learn more, learn more about me and get connected.
0: That's awesome. We will provide all of the links to uh, Nikita in LinkedIn and to her website on uh, the show notes. So do check there. Nikita, thank you. It's a pleasure every time we get the opportunity. And hopefully we'll get to talk again very soon.
1: I would love that. It's been my pleasure. Saps. thank you so much.
0: Thank you for listening. I've been your host, Sabrina Menetz. If you like what you've heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and recommend it to your network. You can always learn more at sabrinameditz.com slash reasoned. We'll see you next time.
1: All right, so I'm super excited. I have a new Career Transition Planner that will be available very, very soon. So you will want to look out for that planner. It will help you with writing prompts and all the different things that you need to be thinking about as you're making any career transition, either within your corporate career or even into entrepreneurship. So stay connected with me. You can go to NikitaLawrence.com when that drops.